Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So uh, welcome to a special edition of Boots, Balls, and Bras podcast this week. Farah Williams joining us from Qatar, as you do. Should we start with your favorite? I got a really fun text message from Farah. So we had B.B. Steinhaus, head of referees in England here last week on the pod. And uh, I got a text uh, during the Chelsea-Reading match with a screenshot of Farah Williams. Uh, the I think you're going to become one, a, a referee, I'm pretty sure, after last week's yeah. chat, showing that actually the Chelsea player was, in fact, offside. Uh, and Chelsea won that match 3-2. Go ahead, Farah, because this is against your old club, Reading. Well, you, you just said it there. It was a, a decision, obviously, <laughs> in a game where... The, the, the thing is, it's not just... I mean, I'm not saying that Chelsea don't go on to win. The game finished 3-2, right? This was the opening, yeah. the goal, I think it was around 30 minutes, but it was a quick free kick taken. Nobody was organised, and, and a Chelsea player's offside, and, and, and they score for, from that. It's not a case that Chelsea aren't going to go and win a game. The point is, it's a mistake made in the game that then changes momentum of the game. And within 15 minutes before the half, they're now, they go from being 0-0 to 3-0 down. And that momentum shift in terms of that goal that was given, that should have been disallowed, changes the whole momentum of the game. And, you know, it is for these teams that are fighting for their lives down the bottom, like I know Reading are, and I know the work they put in. They're coming off the back of a great result against Chelsea, to, uh, sorry, Tottenham last weekend, to then go in at the half, then 3-0 down, having been in the game for so long. So it's just small details. And, you know, it was great having mm. BB on last week. And I definitely learned a lot myself about refereeing. But it's the small margins that, that make a big difference and then gets people frustrated because then I believe that then, I think it might have been the, the assistant coach of Reading, then gets booked and, you know, they want to send it. And it was just crazy. But it's the emotion. And we wonder why the emotions are so high when big decisions mm. go against you. Of course, that, that heightens. Yeah. I think it's also important to be careful what you wish for because we see the controversy that we have with VAR and I think when you look back at that image, it was marginal in terms of... It was offside, it was what? marginal. But in terms of you don't turn away <laughs> and not face the ball. These are basic football principles. So you've given away mm. a free kick and you just thought, oh, yeah, let, let me turn my back because we're playing Chelsea and they won't score from now. So I think, yes, in terms of the technicality of the free kick and the goal not not standing, yes... But actually, in the basic principles of football and coaching and just playing, like, I will be standing on that ball doing freestyling, waiting for the ref to put me back 10 yards, not giving away a free <laughs> kick and then taking yeah. a trod. Like, so, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of give and take. No, I yeah, think... and it... Sorry, go ahead, Farah. No, 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 I was just I saying, mean, like, I think we can't be too harsh on BB, and obviously I'm going to be part of the team from January as well, so <laughs> I've got to look after my fellow... <laughs> my fellow ref... <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's a good good point because that the decision is obviously taken by the assistant referee, which is the one on the line. So I, as soon as Farah messaged me, it went into the referees group that I'm a part of. I, do, I don't dare give you the numbers, Farah, because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll be hassling them nonstop. But, um, but I think they did realize that the assistant referee wasn't ready for that, the fast free, free kick. And that was the difference, wasn't it? And as the game progresses and as they're going to be taking all different types of free kicks and it was a great it was a good tactic by Chelsea to take it quickly they're really close to the goal but yeah I think the assistant referee just wasn't ready for it um, but the, the interesting thing was they were discussing then how do we make sure that the referees are aware of this and this will be a learning tool so they'll take that clip and they'll show it to all the assistant referees so that it doesn't happen again so unfortunately they have to make those mistakes to sometimes learn but that's that's the nature of experience isn't it it's, which it's like we mentioned last thinking, weekend right? they don't have yeah it's it's one of those that you, you talk there uh, the naivety of the defending of reading right so there's obviously you know a more streetwise player for example would have, I, I certainly would have been stood over it there's no way you're taking a quick free kick that's mm. just my mentality you're not taking it right but that's the different levels of playing and whatever. So I'm sure a Chelsea player that close to their goal and not letting you take a quick free kick. So 
you're there kind of pretty much saying that the level of the refereeing in that decision was probably on the same thought process as the Reading players in terms of their thought, you know, their thinking. Good job. In terms of they're not smart Good enough shout. to take that free kick. So you're right. I mean, we, we've yeah. already spoke about it last week, the referees in terms of their game understanding and that will improve. But yeah, it was just a decision. I think that changed the momentum of the game and it just mm -hmm. keeps the referees in, you know, in there in terms of managers complaining and talking about them when actually they are they are doing a, a great job for the for what I'm saying for the facilities they have and the time that they have to invest oh. but it's still oh. hard when you're a player and a manager yeah. when these decisions are costly it's still wrong yeah it's still <laughs> wrong and it's still costly what about the um the Manchester derby because yeah. yeah. you were there weren't you Farah you saw that Man mm. City tied Man United I mean this is so interesting for me I think this is the most interesting matchup of the season and what's going to be really relevant for the end of the season with that third place potentially even second place spot yeah. what did you guys think of that game you know what? The game was, it was a good game. It was a, a highly competitive mm. game, um, a really a technical game. Um, sorry, tactical, not technical. It was a really tactical game. In terms of Manchester, I thought that Man United would have come out on the front foot pressing and being aggressive like we saw they did against Manchester, uh, sorry, against Arsenal at the Emirates. They actually didn't. It was actually Manchester City that came out on the front foot pressing and United found it tricky and couldn't find a way out. So in that open 20 minutes, Man United couldn't find a way past the City press. And you had Mary Earps that was kicking, you know, balls into touch, which was, wasn't, you know, uncharacteristic of her. Mm. And then they found a way of breaking that press and they played around it and into the 10 where, you know, Ella Toon had loads of space between the lines because the Man City midfield were just jumping. They were jump pressing, so there was big gaps. Once they found that, the second part of the first half, Man United dominated and got their goal. But then again, the second half, again, it was the same. United come out on the front foot and then City probably scored when they, weren't in, when they didn't have the momentum. And the game, you know, that last 20 minutes could have gone either way. So the balance of the game just kept shifting. And it was a really, really okay. competitive game. Okay, here's one for you guys. Who's better, Man City or Man United? Or That's not that? even a question. How can Man, Man City is not even a... They're a new team. They're a new um, club. It's Man United. Man City? I don't know. What? You know what? You know what? You're talking about on the men's side? Just, you know what? just the name. What? You, it's football, Man United. But from what I saw, Man United like, technically I... started more recently, right? Men's no, Man United women's just, squad. Just the name, just the it's if, Man United. If you want me, if you want me to be okay, honest, so you're I Man actually, United. Ara. I actually thought, I actually thought that Man United had started to creep away from Manchester City, and I'm going based off of how City started the season and how Man United have started. But actually, seeing that 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 game, I don't think they've overtook Manchester City yet. I think they'll be. Mm. I, I actually thought it sounds. I'm going to contradict myself here. I don't think they've overtook <laughs> Manchester City yet, but I still think they're in a better position to finish third. So I know it's contradictory, but I'm t in terms of where they're, I just think that. I just think that no matter who City bring in, they still have that same structure that's that's pretty similar for people to just fit into. Man United is still yeah. building that. Oh, and, uh, 100, yeah, 100 percent so, agree. So I think that that's what that. It's contradictive, but it's it, it makes sense to me in my head in terms of where they're at. City is still ahead of them. But I think United definitely closed the gap. And because they closed the gap or closing the gap, I think, and the position they're in now, they're probably in a better position. But that's, City City look good and they, they just have a know-how. Even though they have no players as a club, they have a know-how to win games or stay in games. And, and they mm. showed that against United. And, and you know what? They had more possession than Man United, Manchester City did. And in terms of attempts at goals, I think it was a couple of, you know, either way, I think Man, Man United had one, one or two more shots than them in the, in, in the game. Uh, City had more corners. So in terms of the balance, City was still slightly uh, ahead of them on the stats, I Better. would say. It's, it's, like, it's okay. like what you said, Faz. It's more about the progress that Man United's mm. made. So you look at it in terms of Man United's made so much progress and gotten to a level that's in line with City that mm. actually you think they're better. But actually yeah. they were so far behind that actually that progress makes them bang in line with with where, where they should be. So... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes it a lot more competitive. So it's more about the progress mm. for them to be in line and competing, rather than actually they've overtaken City. Actually, they were that far behind gotcha. that that progress puts them in line with being able to compete. So technically, you both said Man City is better. No, 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 no. <laughs> Stick a pin. Yeah. What I said is just give me an answer. Man no, no, two words: Man City mm. or Man United, Eartha. Manchester United. Exclamation Period. mark. Farah? <laughs> okay, sorry. Exclamation mark. Farah? What to finish third or where they're at in terms of... Just who's better? Who's better? 
you know, I think they're on par. I think, I think, I just think, I just think no? United have closed the okay, gap. Okay. No, I'm sitting on the fence and I don't normally, but I don't <laughs> think either of them are massively better than the other. Right now, I think okay, Chelsea tied. and Arsenal, I think Chelsea and Arsenal, again, they're the same. They can compete, but yeah, I think Chelsea can just two. edge them. And I think the same with United and City. I think they're just, they're in a, they're in a little competition with, with each Who's other. Who's going to win third? Who's going to no, win no, third? Wait there, Who's wait there. Before you say that, one little bit. So the difference is, like Farrah mentioned, City are already at a specific standard. So that structure yeah. is embedded. No so they're, they're mm. plateaued. They're, this is their standard. Whereas United mm. are just yeah. are changing gears. Right now, they've put the clutch back in. Mm. They're now <laughs> going up to fifth. They're going to go into sixth gear. So now they're here. But what's happening is they're pushing down on the gas. So they're going to slowly... They're moving in an up tra- trajectory, whereas City is just slowly going steady. So plateauing. if we're looking at okay. probability... Man United's got to continue to progress because they're only going to get better. Right. This is mm-hmm. a new territory for them. Okay, well, I would like to hear what fans say about this too because um, we clearly have zero opinion on this topic. But who's going to get third? Farah, two words. Do you know what? I said, you know, I'm going to stick with Man four. United. I'm going, to say, I'm going to say more than three words, right? Because I'm going to stick with Manchester <laughs> United because I said it at the beginning of the season. I said it was going to be... Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United. But I think the difficulty now for Mark Skinner is keep... And the reason why I I put Man United ahead of Manchester City because I think their squad depth in terms of players they brought in is better. Now he has a problem in managing that squad depth because I know for a fact top players, when they're regularly used to playing, they come across... You you look at Rachel Williams. She was top goal scorer at Tottenham. She's now sitting on the bench at Manchester United and can't even get a minute. So... Yeah. How he manages that squad depth and how he manages those players to keep them happy from Christmas till the end of the season will be key in whether they finish in the top three. Sorry, it okay, went on a but bit. you still that's say Man United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like a little bit more than three words and yeah. you're technically fired, but it's fine. We still, still say cool. Man United. At Eartha, you said Man United as well. Man United. All right, I'm going to go opposite and I'm going to say Man City mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep it short because I think they have the psychological edge, as you said. Mm-hmm. They've been there before. They have the legacy in the women's game more than they have in the men's. And I just think that they're going to be calmer over the length of the season. But we will see. We will see who is right. Quickly, the reason why it's not City. No, last point. Because if City get injuries, they haven't got the squad depth and that will impact their performances. Whereas if United get injuries, they've got the squad depth. So there you go. We'll see. We'll see, man. We'll see. All right. We've we've laid down our money. Um, Arston Arston Villa. Aston Villa lost. (laughs) That's actually a good one, isn't it? It's like the combination of Aston Villa and Arsenal. Aston Villa lost 1-4 to Arsenal at home. And Tottenham lost again uh, to West Ham, 0-2 at home. Any thoughts on those games as well? I think, I mean, Vivian Medium, you know what the interesting thing about Arsenal is the Medium, you know, we saw before the international, she needed a bit of time out. I think the, the man management of that, I think it was spot on. I think the bravery of the player to understand where she was at, you know, she's still very young Medium and she carries yeah. so much with her in terms of expectation. I think the fact that she knew mentally, especially coming off the back of a Euros where she wasn't well through COVID to then go straight into a season. Yep. The fact she knew she needed that, that, that rest and maybe time away. She's come back. I think it's four and four now. She scored, and what a goal, by the way! Like you know, yeah. she just she's just somebody yeah. that is, is so key to that team. And you could see that her form was dip, dipping before that. And people were questioning it, questioning whether she'd been dropped or or was it a tactical decision as to why she was left out. And she's just proved in the, you know the last few games as to why she's so key to starting in that mm. in, in in the games for Arsenal. And obviously they've got injury to Beth Mead, and in terms of decision making for the owners, makes it a little bit easy. Uh, in terms of bringing her straight back in, but yeah, she's phenomenal. Yeah, I think a, a big and big also player. a great um, psychological win, isn't it, for Arsenal? Because as we said, you know they've struggled a little bit in the Champions League as well. Um, they haven't done as well in the league. They sort of scraped by and just beat what was it, Reading last week or who was that that they won one zero last weekend? Anyway, we chatted about it. Listen to our podcast last week and you'll find out. <laughs> um, but that you said that the timing of all of it hasn't been good. Um, so that must be a nice psychological win. Eartha, what do you think? I was going to say two things. I guess if you're not Vivian Miedema, do you have the confidence as a, a player to say to your manager, I need a rest? Uh, and, mm. and does that jeopardise, I guess, your position in the squad? So we're looking at balancing that well-being. Are there other players actually who are just thinking, 
this is becoming too much. But actually, if I take that yeah. break, potentially I might not play again because the name on the back of my shirt isn't that significant. And then I guess for, which is fantastic, a player like me, the martyr, say that actually records and goals are not overriding my well-being and to show that Absolutely. and to demonstrate that across the league to say actually longevity and you being right first and foremost is the most important thing and football comes after um I, I think is a very very strong standpoint especially for the generations coming through it's really really important so I guess leagues need to look at it clubs need to look at it and I guess conversations need to be had in terms of if we're having those sorts of top players who we want playing week in, week out, needing a break, something needs to be and looked I, at. Yep. You know what, uh, on that, I think Jonas has been really good because also we, you know, at the beginning of the season, remember Leah Williamson had time off as well, or, or, mm-hmm. or I think it was, she was delayed coming back to pre-season because she said she needed that extra bit of time. So in terms of him as a manager, I mean, I, I don't know him day to day in terms of managing us. I, I spent some time with him over the Euros and... I just think that, that that's a real good quality to have as a manager, understanding your players, players being mm-hmm. able to have that conversation. And I, I, I think, I mean, it's a credit to him that he's, because he, not many managers would do that, not with top players. Lee Williamson no. and Niedemar, they are top players for Arsenal. So to allow them that extra yeah. time that they need and potentially put your team, you know, he obviously trusts his team, but they're, they're key players in the team um, to allow to have the time off in big games, which he did. But is that is that yeah. only possible due to the infrastructure of the club, though? Because could you do that at a, a Leicester? Could you afford for your top players to be out of the game, no matter how well things like? I think it goes down to your um, your 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 beliefs as a manager and what you believe is right for the individuals, right? The group in terms of like what you want to create within your group, and that depends. On, you know, when you're a manager, you have you have your values, don't you? And what are they? Mm-hmm. And 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 is 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 does well-being of players come up on, on a higher list as his as a manager? I mean, we don't know, but I'm I'm sure you know when managers write out what their values are or their beliefs are, where where that sits within that. If you was to get say, what's your top five you know values that you'd want to take? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be trust, togetherness, I don't know what it, whatever it might be, respect. Is well-being of players? It, it could be up there on a higher agenda for mm-hmm. him and, and other managers lesser. So I just think it's it's individual preferences, isn't it, in terms of their, their styles and what they want to create within the group. Yeah, um, I, I get yeah. that. Is, is, I also, this isn't easier as at a top class. Yeah, I don't know I think what so. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, uh, we, we could say that now, sat here we could say that because he's, he's at the club that he's at, but, you know, if he took that to a different club or he's done that previously, which we don't know, and I don't know if, then, then we know it's not. We know it's, it's one of his values. I think it's easier I think it's definitely easier. I mean, I, I think Farah, your 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 question, your answer is. I mean, I wish, but I think it's a little bit idealistic that you know you you have a lower club. I mean, even playing for New Zealand, I, some of us didn't have really a choice. I mean, I remember mm. one player had a massive hole in her hamstring, and she was playing because we were playing the U.S. Like because we didn't have anyone really in that position, and it would have been really ugly to have put the 16-year-old that we had in her position in there. So, I unfortunately, I just don't think that there's that crop of players enough spread widely enough across the top leagues on the planet that we have the option to allow players to prioritize and players and managers to prioritize mental health. And it's a shame because as we've already discussed on this podcast, as one of our halftime team talks, player welfare and well-being and mental health is so, so important. Um, I also wonder because he's Swedish, you know, does that play anything into it? Because I know when I played in Sweden, there was a lot of talk about how are we feeling? How are we doing? It's all about the team. Whereas in Germany, it was like, you play, that's it. (laughs) I'm not saying that is you know, the standard in terms of the different types of cultures, because clearly it's not. Um, but that was my experience in the difference between the Swedish and the, let's say, German uh, different cultures. But anyway, let's let's move on because we've got Tottenham West Ham 0-2. Let, let's, should we come on to that later? Because we're going to bring it up, I think, when we talk about our halftime team talk. Unless you guys had anything you really wanted to say about the Tottenham West Ham game besides Tottenham Only do you both again. think that Tottenham's still going to finish third? I'm just asking a question. Just <laughs> Who even said that? Yeah, what are you talking we'll about, Farrah? Moving on. We'll go back to the first <laughs> yeah. episode. Moving on. Farrah, you, <laughs> you, right, you know me and numbers are not good. Yeah, I can tell now. It's her math. Third bottom, it was uh, Earth's Third math bottom, man, confused it? Third everyone. <laughs> All right, and two matches were postponed this week in the WSL, Liverpool versus Leicester and Brighton versus Everton, because if you hadn't noticed, if you haven't seen on the global news, it decided to snow like heck in London the last days. So those, those matches will be postponed in a very, very heavy calendar anyway. 
Moving on to our halftime team talk. This one is a super interesting one. And we're going to look actually from our perspective as females, obviously, and former footballers, but looking into the men's game and and because it's very relevant, we all had a chat this week um, over text a lot about Gareth Southgate. So England obviously lost in the quarterfinals against France in the World Cup, which is in Qatar, which is where Farah is gracing us with her presence this week. And there's been a lot of chat around, should he stay? Should he go? You know, has he done enough? Has he finished everything? I even heard Rio who's been on our podcast, say that he doesn't feel like Gareth is done really with what he has to prove. But then looking at what Gareth has said, he said, you know, I'm not sure I have, it's taken so much energy out of me and I don't know if I have it like that much energy moving forward. You have so much going through your mind. So he said he's going to take a couple of days. There's just so much pressure around managers, like not even on that level anymore. What are your guys' thoughts on this? in terms of Gareth and leaving, staying, pressure in general? Nah. You know, think- you, know the funny, you know the funny thing about it is that Brazil, they get knocked out, the manager leaves. Portugal get knocked out, the manager leaves. Belgium, they get knocked out, the manager leaves. So it's as if they come into the tournament knowing success was the only reason that would have potentially kept them in a the job. So they knew anything less than that is failure and they quit. So they kind of knew that. I'm not sure what, what Gareth's mentality was coming into it. I'm sure they come here to win. For sure they did. It's difficult, I think, with with Southgate because he, he they have created a culture within that England team that the players love to go away, right? They love to be a part of the England team. Mm-hmm. They engage the fans. The fans enjoy watching them. There's a different belief within the England team and fans when they watch them play. But he's gone, he's been there six years now. He's been to three tournaments. He's been to a semi-final of a World Cup, a final of a Euros, a home Euros, by the way, with with, with extra mm-hmm. um, support in terms of fans. And then he's come and knocked out the quarterfinals, having gone toe-to-toe with the world champions in that game. And, you know, small margins, yeah. penalty misses was the game changer. So it's really difficult to then want to step away from that when you feel like you're, like, close. Like, because for me looking in, I'm like, he's close. The Euros, you know, you know, poor in-game decision in terms of making a sub at 1-0 and, and, then we, and then we draw the game and lose on penalties. When we won 1-1 against France, needed to change it and freshen the legs up because Saka started to tie. He even kept, Henderson was tiring, Foden. We needed to freshen it up like he did in the first game. And I know it was against Iran, but I felt like it changed the game and kept the momentum with England. When it was 1-1, if we'd have made those changes earlier, the Grealishes or the, the um, Rashford and bring them on or Mason Mount, if they'd have brought them on and kept that intensity up against France when we had momentum in that second half, it could have been a different game. But these are all yeah. different mm. buts. I feel like if he is to stay, he has to bring somebody in that will help him make these decisions in-game. Because I think the culture and the environment that England have is, is what looks like from the outside perfect for a player to want to play in. They feel safe, they feel open, honest, they can be themselves. And that's what you want as a player. You just want to feel as, as, as at home as you can. And I think we have yeah. that. Can a manager come in and change that round within 18 months before the next tournament? I don't know. The only yeah. one I would like to see if they were to do that is Tuchel because I just love him. I think he's a great manager. No. But you can't sack a manager without knowing what, as you mentioned all the time, both of you, the infrastructure, what, what are we looking at? You can't go, let's get rid of Southgate, mm. but we don't know what we're bringing in. You've got to have but, something in yeah. But I think the decision's down to Southgate as to whether he wants to stay or not. Yeah. But my point is... Yeah, that's what, I've, that's what I've read between the lines as well. Ertha, what do you think? I, I was thinking, like you mentioned Tuchel there. I think if Tuchel comes in, they win a tournament because the only thing missing is the tactical side. Mm-hmm. Like the players are there. They're good enough to win a tournament. But in terms of in long term, so I guess they have to look at in terms of the FA, what they want to do long term. Do they want to build something? Do they want to have that culture? That's something like you mentioned in terms of what Gareth has built. It's unmatchable. Mm-hmm. Like players yeah. want to come no matter what club they're, they're at. They want to come and play in this environment. The quality of players, like they said, this is the best it ha- it's ever been in terms of strength across the pitch. Yeah. Tactically, unless there's another badge that he could do or something that he's someone is going to shadow, <laughs> like he's like, like a referee just... badge, you mean? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, not a referee like, badge. <laughs> like he hasn't made those right tactical decisions like he made at the right time, but. The, Which the Serena Vigman has done, right? That we've discussed Serena before, Serena Vigman right? has done. And I think if he yeah. does, it will happen at some point. He'll, he'll make the right tactical decisions. But mm. what t- tends to happen is they happen in games, not competitions. 
what we need is mm. is competitions to win trophies and that's the only thing like so as you mentioned would he really bring someone in though to to be alongside him or is he just going to keep who he, he's already got would mm. would two cool yeah. who would come who would come in as as someone alongside Gareth because technically that's saying I'm doing the job and that's why we've got got them over the line who who might that look like Emma Hayes I think <laughs> I think what was interesting that you guys both mentioned is um, Rio Rio said the same thing, didn't he? Rio Ferdinand, when he was on the pod, he said that he it used to be that no one really wanted to go play for England because the media was so gnarly. And they got, he said, what did he say? You could be at the top of your game and then come back from England camp as low as a snake's belly, I think he said, which I mm -hmm. thought was brilliant. And that was due to the culture, the media, the, the scrutiny that those players had gone under. What I find the most interesting about all of this is that Gareth Southgate has said, um, and I quote, I found large parts of the last 18 months difficult. It took so much energy out of you and you have so much going on through your mind. Now, I wonder how much of that is the pressure that is put on by him on by media, English media, English fans, and just the culture around football in this country in England versus potentially other countries as well. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I, I just, you really wonder like the psychological impact because when he came in and it wasn't just him, he had some wonderful help from a sports psychologist named Pippa Grange, who's um, an incredible doctor who's actually house I'm in right now. Um, but she worked with that team to help change the culture of that England camp. But how difficult has it been really to change the entire culture of the English media, English fans who nonstop just love spewing hate at football Bets. matches. Bets. Yeah. Is that is, is he talking about actual football or actual just everything around football? As because we've been in a pandemic yeah. for a couple of years, so and there was hardly any football. So are we talking about the things that come along with football, like having to defend the players who miss penalties or stuff that other players are exactly. doing in terms of social engagement or what strategically the country's trying to do with the game. So I think I'd be interested to know is he talking about actually what's happening on the pitch or football as the entity that we know that it is and and this is where we come to this idea where we say football separate to society actually it's not it's draining it it, it takes a lot out of you it's actually the one thing that brings the nation I guess together it's something that we all celebrate and and we want to we're proud of our country when we're, we're playing the game so I, I don't think he's just talking about what's happening on the pitch and results I think he's talking about all the yeah. other bits that that come along with it that he has to deal with and talk about day to day mm. which is nonsense but takes up time and energy both physically and psychologically yeah. so I think yeah I mean is. look at the, the the Euros final right after the Euros final all that hoopla and like people just were absolutely horrid after that it was horrendous to watch Farah what do you think no, I agree. I think, look, you're never, I think it's not even just England camp, but I think in general, in terms of sport, you're always going to have that, especially sport in England. I think, you know, I was even, mm. I was even listening in and they were questioning, they were talking to Ramsdale about, you know, um, not like, you know, being a, a second or third choice keeper and blah, blah, blah. And they wanted a reaction from him. They wanted him to say something negative about the camp. And I, I think he dealt with the questioning really well in terms of, you know, the way that the staff are with players that aren't playing and how they keep them engaged and, whatever else but but I always feel mm. when England have a great chance of going to a tournament with, with you know to try and get success 
we'll always try and find a way to try and put them down. We shouldn't be playing that 11. This player should be playing more than that player. This, you know, you're making them all. And it's a constant thing. So for, for Southgate, as much as, even when you're in-house, and we've all been, you know, we've been to tournament, we know what it's like to be away. You can keep as much as you want in-house and try and block out what is going on around you. But it creeps in and it is draining. And, and Southgate will have to be facing all of these questions regularly. Mm -hmm. And to try and get the players to, which I think they do. I think they believe in Southgate. I think they trust him a lot. Yeah. It, it, I think they get that, but then obviously then they go put in front of the cameras and they're asking the, the questions and they're asking questions that they shouldn't be answering as players. They should be focusing on going yeah. out and doing their job against the best teams in the world and just solely having to focus on that. But uh, you know, the media we, we we always always try and find a way of, of flipping it and and making what could potentially be a really good England team and camp a negative mm. one. It doesn't need to be that way. And look, the, I think yeah. Southgate in terms of what he's done with the players and how players are now with me, the players used to hate the media. They're so much more engaging and open with the media than they've ever been. Why can't we have that level of balance between the, you know, the media giving back a little bit and, and you know, going to tournaments and being really supportive of it? And look, this is not every media outlet or whatever. I'm just saying, in general, some really just try and do stupidness at the wrong time. And I think that's where he's talking about Southgate is in. It's draining. It's, you know, mm. just leave it out. We don't need to answer this. Like, support the lads. That's that's where I think that, yeah. you know, the draininess can can... Be, I think that's probably more what he's talking about as opposed to, you know, because he mm. definitely enjoys being with the lads. You can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's just it, isn't it? I mean, had he won, he would have been the hero. As he loses, then it flips and the coin is on the other, you know, it's on the other side of the coin where he's the, the I don't know, the, the evil one and the whole thing. But, you know, you think about all of the substitutions he's made in leading up to it and that, you know, he's won so many matches. So no one talks about it then when they win. But when you lose, it's all of a sudden he doesn't know how to substitute. And So, yeah, I think you're right. I think just that the media, lack of media support and the fact that they really love digging under the skin and just throwing vitriol against um, this team, I, I find it quite extreme, like as someone that hasn't grown up with it. And I find it sad because I think what he's done and who he is as a leader, period, in this country, he deserves just more respect um, because he's mm -hmm. respectful. You watch him on the sideline, the composure that Gareth Southgate has on the sideline when he's playing against France, like you said, the World Cup defending champions, and they're 1-0 down, they come out at halftime, he looks calm. He looks totally composed. And as a player, you want to play for that. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it does have to do a lot with the media. But uh, anyway, moving moving no, on to, let's see. Bex, before, go ahead. Bex, just before we move, just yeah, yeah. Thinking, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I was having this conversation. It's like, I think he's, rarely do you leave a tournament and pundits and, and fans alike and players want a manager to stay on, especially with failures. The fact that there's yeah. a lot of, ex-England players and media pundits and whatever saying and, and, and players themselves wanting him to stay yep. he knows he's respected and he knows what he's done up to now it's one of those does he go out on a high now where he's actually left them where we're probably begging a little bit for him to stay or does he go on two years and if he messes up in two years time his, his credibility is gone completely whereas right now mm. he's probably intact isn't it people are really respectful of what he's done yeah. um, so it's a difficult one it's something that he has to think about he has to think about that but big decisions and, and mm. hopefully he makes the right one. What would you guys do if you were him? Would you leave now or would you stay? If you left, would you potentially come back after two years when the next manager, you know, Fs it up? What what would you I'd two stay. do? Or, what, would you stay? 18 um, months. Squad of players, what would you I'm do? I, I'm, I'm, def I'm definitely staying. And because I, I, I think it's a job that's, that's not finished, but just quickly mm. to touch on the point that Farrell just mentioned, I think the two things in terms of the media that's praising him and wanting to stay, they're the same ones who were saying he mm. blasting him for the decisions that he didn't make. And I think mm. all the sort of ex players that have played and they're praising him and they want him to stay. They're coming from a, a point of empathy because they know what it was like. They know how crap it was and they've yeah. seen, Mm. what he's actually delivered so they actually have that inside comparison and they're saying this is amazing what he's done trust me we've been there we know tactically he's really good the squad of players are really good it's just that little bit that he needs to get over the edge and they think he's the guy to do it and um, and I think mm. he's right he's got 18 months come on let's let's get it let's get it Gareth <laughs> and mm. it's a short amount of time isn't it bring in a new manager new culture or anything but coming back to the WSL Rayanne Skinner Tottenham Hotspurs, they've lost, they've lost four out of the last five games. Um, they had one eight zero win, which far you might've said is a 
might have been a fluke. Um, should she be fired? Should she have to go? I don't necessarily don't want to say to fire anyone, but I think we're in a, a I guess, a time where the results are so important. Um, if you're looking at where we, we just talked about Man United and them making progress, if you look at the plans that Tottenham have in place in terms of the progress of their club and where they want to be, currently this looks like they ain't moving in that right direction. So I guess for that governance side of, of the club, they must be having or thinking about where are we at? How far are we still away from the plans? What are the issues? How come we're not picking up points? And if they're not having those discussions, I'd be very, very surprised. Yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's like you, they they've obviously had a structure in place. They brought Rand Skinner in um, to try and move the, the the team in the right direction. I think they've had a, a really poor run of results. I say it was a freak result against Man United because to score eight goals when they can't even score of late, it tells mm. you it's a bit of a freak result. They haven't ever scored that amount of goals, whether it be in the form of their life last year, which they were, and, uh, or even this season. But I just think my point. To the Spurs thing is what we said at the beginning of the season, and we had this debate and we laughed a little bit about it. Is that Eartha and yourself, Bex, you spoke about thinking they would finish in the top three, four, right? Yeah, we saw what players had brought in the Amy Turner's, uh, uh and um, Jay, what's her name, has James, uh, Drew Spence. They they brought in players where you thought actually they might they might have a chance of really trying to compete. They strengthened their squad, the depth is now bigger, and I know they've got a couple of injuries, but the teams they're supposed to be competing with, the likes of the West Ham's around them, they're losing to. They lost to they lost they lost to Reading. They should have beat Reading. Yes, they lost to Chelsea and Arsenal. I guess they would expect those, but they they wasn't even competitive in those games for long enough. Mm. Um, they're they're just the last four games in which which they lost, and obviously they had that result with Brighton in between. But you know, Liverpool when they scraped past Liverpool. I think it was one nil. So yeah, I just zero, think the yeah. teams that they should or you know, I'm sure as a club they would be expecting to beat the West Ham's, the Liverpools, and the Villas, all of those around them. They're not actually beating them. So there has to be a question mark as to. Why aren't we beating them? What's going What's going wrong? Mm. Why can't we get these results? Um, I mean, look, we don't want managers to be sat regularly in the women's game. That's not what we want. But certainly their, their roles and positions. I mean, I spoke to Kelly and I said to her, you know, the other week, you'd have probably been sacked if you didn't beat Leicester. And she she, she agreed. This is Kelly Chambers mm. of, of Reading. So, you know, that was a high-pressure game for, for the Red. And, and, it you know, and the result of that was that the, the Leicester manager got the sack. Because that's yeah. how close it is down there. If you're not getting results and you're, you know, you're being invested in in terms of recruitment and, and facilities and whatever else, at some point your job is going to be questioned. And you know, is this a period yeah. where look, maybe Christmas has come at the right time for Tottenham? You know, they can have a break, they can reassess over Christmas, maybe they bring some players in or just a little restructure within what best suits them. I'm not sure how far Kit Graham's away from um from from the field, but I know she'll be like a new signing for them because she's a fantastic player. Mm -hmm. But the bizarreness of it is that they let their top goal scorer, Rachel Williams, leave at the end of the season, and now they can't score goals. Mm. It's oh, mind blowing. Yeah. So, I was going to say we talked we talked about squad depth with about Man United. Does Tottenham's squad depth match their aspirations currently? And if if it doesn't, does that give you an extra lifeline in terms of more time for that manager? Just some it depends, right? It, you, you ask that, but it depends, right? Because the players that Manchester, sorry, the players that Spurs have, how they play and who they play, would be. I would pick a different starting eleven to what what plays, right? But that's just my my preference of players they've got, right? You've got to make big decisions. You've got to make big decisions. For me, Ashley Neville is a fullback, right? She's not a left midfield mm. left winger. She's a fullback. You've brought in Amy Turner, who is a, a fullback stroke centre half, right? But you've already got two centre halves that played really well last year, Molly Bartra and uh, Sadorsky. So now it's decision making for manager. Are you going to drop Sadorsky or, 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 or um, Molly Bartra and put Amy Turner there? Or are you going to drop Amy Turner at right back and put Ashley Neville back at right back and get your structure right at the back and build on that? And all of a sudden then, the attacking players that are sat on the bench that should be playing ahead of a right back that's playing left midfield are going to play. And your balance becomes better within your team. She's a better right back, Ashley Neville, than she is as a left midfielder. She can do a job at left midfield, but she's not a left midfielder or but, left of but, the front three. But in, but in so terms she's of... Got make, she's got to make big decisions there. She doesn't want to do it. No, but I'm talking about in terms of the squad they've got, does that match their team aspirations, where they want to be, where the club wants to be? Does that squad match up with where with what that, that strategy says? Okay, I would say they've got a better squad than probably Liverpool, Villa, West Ham, all of these but squads. We're, but we're talking about the manager and them being sacked. I'm saying there's, there's the squad... Yeah, and I'm trying to say to you... Give that her more time. Depth, 
I'm saying that the squad depth, when I look at that, when I look at that Tottenham bench and I looked at it when it was against Chelsea and players they have, you know, that they can bring on, I'm saying that squad depth is is as good as West Ham, as good as it's definitely better than Brighton, Reading, um, Liverpool. It's better than these teams are. So that's my point. Mm. They do have the depth in, on their bench. And, it's, and I know they've got that, is it Simon Cheese out with a minute and, and obviously Kit Graham's on the way yeah. back. But if, if they were that's there, it. their depth squad is better, in my opinion. So they I should think, be winning. And, I, and you wonder... You wonder too about the injuries because you mentioned some there. You've got Kit Graham out, Rhea Percival. They're both on the way back. Rhea, um, from or New Zealand, probably one of the best, actually the best, if not the best, New Zealand player um, who's played all over. Had a really bad ACL injury. He's on her way back. Kit Graham on her way back. Rosella Ayan as well, um, still out. You know, not not back yet. Or did she come back yeah. actually? Yeah, yeah but. Right. Um, but was out for like quite a while, right? At the beginning of the season, you had Kaya Simons tore her ACL, Ellie Brazil. She, she, um, tore her ACL as well. So there's well, so many signed, injuries on that Ellie squad. Brazil, on that bet, she signed Ellie Brazil knowing she's injured. Mm. She'd just come back from an injury. She previously done it with yeah. ACL a year ago. You've got to do, when you're signing players and when you're recruiting, you've got to do your recruitment right. I was mind blown that they spent mm. money. They had to buy Ellie Brazil. Ellie Brazil's a great player, great young player. They had to buy her from Brighton. I'm sure that I'm right in, in saying they had there was a fee there involved. Interesting. I mean, not mm. that you know when someone's going to get injured, but she was injured prior to going, and you've signed a player. Interesting. Injured, knowing you've got so that so goes back to the yeah, it goes goes back to the question about the um, the manager. Then you know the recruitment was the recruitment done correctly? Did they build the the team in the right way? That type of thing. pretty much wraps up our halftime team talk on managers as you can see it's not so easy being a manager but also the decisions that you have to make that aren't just choosing players for the starting lineup substitutions it also includes recruitment dealing with media etc uh, for those of you who want to get into coaching good luck all the best for you uh, Farah we know you have some <laughs> some experience in that but both of you guys are shaking your head and I never yeah, wanted to do me. it so <laughs> all the best to you guys all right <laughs> let's move into our our second half because we had some really interesting women's champions league results um i was lucky enough to be at the bayern munich match when they played um against barcelona and they yeah. won 3-1 and it could have been more it could have actually been more they were they looked really really good and barcelona looked really flat Benfica won against uh, Rosengard again, 3-1. Arsenal scraped by Juventus 1-0, very important win for them. And Chelsea, Real Madrid was 1-1. Those are the, the matches that we felt were really interesting. Lyon obviously beat Zurich 4-0. Um, Vlasnia lost to Paris 4-0. Um, Poulton and Slavia Praha tied 1-1. Wolfsburg beat Roma 4-2. Um, and those are the results from the Champions League. Which, which games did you guys think were interesting? Buy it in Barca because we spoke yeah. about it. I loved it. I loved watching it because we spoke about it uh, early on in the pod when we spoke about the German teams at home are so much better than they are when they travel away in Europe. And they mm -hmm. proved that because Wolfsburg last year, when they went away to the, the new camp and they lost to Barca, they actually got battered. They come back to Wolfsburg and then they beat Barcelona, probably could have pushed them and got through the, uh, it, it, to the final. And then the same with Bayern in the, in the, in the away game at, at the new camp, they were poor. They come back. And that opening 35 minutes from Bayern Munich against Barcelona, they were unreal. So good. They, were, they just so put good. Barcelona on the back. They, they, they looked, they made Barca in, in, in that period. They made them look like an, an average team at times, in moments. They were just on it, front mm. footed, aggressive in everything they did. And, yeah, and they got their goals in that period that they were on top. Because, look, Barcelona grew back into the game and started to show the type of control that they, they can have. But that opening 30 minutes... It, you know, it was something else from, from Bayern, and it was a, it was a real, real good game to watch. Um, so it wasn't mm, a shock in the terms atmosphere of the was great. That, yeah, it wasn't a shock in terms of the result because I'm, I, I said that to you before that I think the German teams at home are, are dangerous. They're, they're very good. Something about mm. playing in Germany as a German team in front of a home crowd is tough to go and do. Um, so yeah, it was a it, for me. It was the the, um, the, the game of the, of the week in terms of Champions League yep. football. Well, I didn't have the pleasure of being in Germany, Bex. Um, <laughs> but it was just as good in, in the UK. No, um, I think Chelsea's 1-1 draw was, was, was a decent point picked up. Um, I think in terms of what they're looking to do across the longevity of the season, like making sure they remain in Europe, doing well in the league, 
like we, we said, I think just the use of the, the squad and trying out different things. Um, I, I think they're always, for me, I think Chelsea are always looking at how they can continuously improve. I don't think they look at it in terms of like separate competitions. I look at it in terms of them as a team, them trying out tactical stuff, them being prepared. So when they do need to use different things, they've already had it tried and tested. So again, when, when you've got so many great players and big names that you can call upon, um, I guess that's the, the benefits of, of having that big squad rotation. So that was really nice. Mm. And then again, English team winning, Arsenal picking up the three points. Um, after getting a draw at the away leg, I, I think was really, really important. And yeah, I guess they must have looked at what went well and what didn't tactically. Obviously, having the previous manager used to obviously manage at Arsenal. And yeah, I think they would have been happy with picking up those points and slowly going in the direction, obviously, that they plan to do across the season as well. So English team's mm. doing well. Wolfsburg's yeah. still not going to win it. I think Barcelona's yeah. still going to win uh, <laughs> Champions League so yeah my, my, my bet's still on compared to my um, England parade mm. one where I've had to discard of my badge so yeah happy about that one <laughs> I think Chelsea would have wanted to win because I'm sure they could have qualified out of the yeah. game had they mm, won that yes. so I think they'll just be kicking Correct. themselves a little bit because it was a game that they should have took advantage of it, obviously it was a way yeah. of travelling but yeah I do think it was a game that you know, they would have been happy with the three, but they'll take the one. It just, you know, not, not that it doesn't put any extra pressure. It just means an extra game where they potentially could have rested players. But we're going into the Christmas break with that. So I'm sure Emma Hayes isn't too fast. It would have just been nice yeah. to, to tick a box and, and qualify in, in that game. But, yeah, I mean, were they lucky at times? Probably the, the penalty. Um, I'm sure it come back off the post into the goalkeeper and in. So they were they were lucky a little bit in that mm. game, Chelsea, compared to how yeah, they dominated like the, the first game. So. Yeah, and like you said, they, they're currently sitting at the top with 10 points. PSG is at 7, Real Madrid 5 in that group, Vlasnia with 0. Wolfsburg also with 10, Roma with 7, Arsenal with 10, and Barcelona with 9. So they would have actually topped the group but been the biggest point collector in the Champions League had they won that. Um, and Arsenal still above Lyon with 10 points where Lyon only has 7. That group is still a little bit open, Juventus sitting at 5. And then the, the group that's really open is Group D, the Barcelona by Bayern, Benfica, Rosengord, because Barcelona has nine, Bayern has nine, Benfica has six. Um, and looking at this week's matches um, coming up, yeah, if uh, if Barcelona, no, if Bayern, I think Bayern is pretty much qualified unless uh, Benfica wins with a huge goal difference. But um, but yeah, Benfica plays Barcelona, Rosengord plays Bayern, Juventus Zurich, Arsenal plays Lyon at home on Thursday the 15th. That's going to be such an awesome game. Hopefully hopefully they can play. Hopefully there won't be any snow. Um, Paris, Real Madrid, that's going to be a really interesting one. So really good games coming up this week as well, which um, we will may or may not be chatting about because this is our last podcast for the season. Um, we might do a little blip if you guys really want us to um, moving forward just on, you know, our thoughts on it. But um, some really good games coming up as well. Leon Arsenal, I'm interested to see that because Arsenal absolutely wiped the floor with them away in Leon early in the season and it hasn't happened to Leon before. So I'm interested to see how that return uh, fixture goes um, for Arsenal against Leon. Um, and how yep. Leon respond to that because you know that could have done some some damage mentally to the Leon team. You know, being thrashed the way they were, Arsenal were phenomenal yep. in that game. And can Arsenal get to those levels again and repeat? You know, a similar performance that they did. So that's what I'm looking forward to that game in particular. In the Emirates too, in the Emirates Stadium. Mm -hmm. Woo! If the Emirates nice is one. called off for snow, it's embarrassing. The only way the Emirates <laughs> is called off is if actually the travel arrangements around it is an issue in terms of roads but if the emirates gets yeah. pulled off then we are in trouble in terms of wsl <laughs> so <laughs> i hope not nice all right well enjoy those games this week everybody and just a little bit a few topics that we found that we thought you might be interested in the women's world cup base camps have been confirmed it's the first time actually that fifa is doing base camps what that means is similar to the men's the teams will stay in a base camp and then travel from there to each of the games and obviously in each of the groups they've been picked where those where they will either stay in new zealand or australia for the entire of the group stage so england will be in gosford it's about an hour north of sydney for that so if you want to go get some 
kind of sunshine. It's going to be in the winter in during the time of the Women's World Cup, but um, really interesting to see where all of the teams have picked. And then also, um, and also the draw for the Vitality Women's FA Cup fourth round has been made. Um, those matches will be played coming up soon. Chelsea plays Liverpool. Tottenham plays the winner of London City or Portsmouth. And Leicester City will play Reading. Those were the three top games that we thought maybe some upsets. Um, all the others will be played on Saturday, the 28th of January, that weekend. Uh, so look forward to that. Any to- any comments on the- those, you guys? No, yeah, I think they would have Three teams, weren't they? Uh, three picks of the round. Say again. Terms- no, I'm saying they were like the three picks of the round in terms of the teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Leicester Reading is a is a tasty one there. Um, but yeah, I, I, look, the FA Cup at Wembley. I think the, you know the, the girls love this tournament. The FA Cup is is the tournament that that everybody loves to be involved in, and you know, and and I guess the reward is going getting to a cup final at Wembley, which you know is every footballer's dream to play at Wembley. So. Yeah, looking forward to that. Excited for the FA Cup. I think nice. the FA Cup is, like you said, it's it's that special competition, and, and anything can happen. I remember being knocked out a few times by some lower teams. So yeah, it, it's the magic of the cup. Um, and I guess for I guess across the pyramid, I think it's important to also mention with the FA Cup that the prize money is improved. Um, so in terms mm. of building infrastructure across the leagues, it, it's another thing that's sort of added to our our season, which is great. Yeah. And and only one other mention from us is that we saw, um, unfortunately, Jilly Flaherty's father um, has passed away unexpectedly just a few days ago. So sending all of our love and good wishes to her and her family in the meantime. So, hey, yeah, that on, is on it. That, 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 Sorry, just on that, just, I know that Jilly Flaherty's dad and, you know, when she grew up as a kid, I was there at Crystal Palace where her dad would religiously drive her here, there and everywhere to get her to and from football. Really, really big football man. You know, I had plenty of conversations as a, a player with him uh, about football. We'd agree on some stuff, we'd disagree on other stuff. So he was a <laughs> massive part of her her career from a 14-year-old at Arsenal when she went into the first team to the very end. So, yeah, definitely just sending thoughts to the, the family and, and certainly Jilly um, at, the, at this, you know, this sad time. So, yeah, thoughts are with her friends and family. Definitely agree. All right. Well, that wraps up our week's podcast of Boots, Balls and Bras. Thanks for hanging out. And next week, we will be giving you our Barclays WSL team of the season so far. So we want to hear your thoughts. Send us who you think that we should put in that team. And we will also be doing a little wrap up of the Women's Champions League matches that will be going out and being played this week. So catch us next week and we'll chat soon. Have a good one. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.